Warning, this episode is explicit. There will be swears and talk of sexy stuff. Yeah, like duty and darn it. Right? Dan won't let me say the F word here. Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. (laughs) It's just a wild wrong. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. On this episode... It's Safe Sex, the comic series by Tina Horn. My name is Dan, and I have three sets of identical bedsheets. My name is Jeff, and I was selected as a lucky recipient of Touche Amore's new single on Disc. Me too. <laughs> my name is Jimmy, and while working in the edit lab at college, my coworkers and peers kept an ongoing list of produce names on the whiteboard, which always started with potato. <laughs> Okay. I don't know why we did it, but it was going for a long time. There was something weird that me and like one or two coworkers did at my last job where we went through the alphabet and named as many foods as possible Mm. by category to see how far we can get. Mm. And I think it was just to kill time because that job was dreadfully shitty. Mm. Uh, I would be good at that. I know lots of weird foods. I was pretty good and some people challenged me and I made them Google it and I was like, no, dude, jicama starts with a J. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but yeah, it was funny because every now and then, obviously the edit lab was used for like classes and stuff. So like people would come in here and be like, why are there like 12 produce names? Just like, and how the come they're board? all tubers? Yeah. They're, uh, one of them was like, uh, it always started with potato. Then it went to like Clementine. Then it went to like kumquat. Like, was, it was there a be... reason? No. Or any method to no, it? You I... just listed one thing every time you walked by it? Yeah. It was basically like that. And people were just like, ask about it. And then like, we would do it even after we graduated. Like, we would go there and visit. Then we would just start up the list again. And like, occasionally, mm. like, it would just keep on growing. Hmm. It's pretty so, funny. So, Dan. Yeah. Are the th- you said three identical, so mm-hmm. you just got the same style too? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I, so I used to have like a few different styles, and then um, my favorites were, and I know these are like sort of off trend. These were big in the '90s, but the t-shirt sheets. Okay. I really liked them, and I had them in just like a standard gray color. And um, as like they were the most recent set I had bought, so as the other sheets like started to get sort of worn out or whatever. I would replace them with another set of gray t-shirt sheets. Not even I like them. a different color or pattern? No. Oh, okay. gray just like matched my room and I, I just think, hmm. thought it was nice. So now I ended up with three sets of the exact same sheets. Because <laughs> they're maybe. also like very affordable from like yeah. Walmart. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean like if, or if it's the fabric you like or yeah. whatever, yeah. I like those t-shirt sheets. I have a red one in my room. It's very oh. comfortable. Yeah. So side tangent. Yeah. The Touche Amore single. Right, so... We we knew as Touche Amore fans that they were recording a new album and they started posting cryptic things before they announced it. And one of them was um, the lead singer, Jeremy, like sleeving up the seven inches and they had like they showed like a machine punching out these like mm-hmm. inserts. And I was like, oh, what is this? 
And then one day, two people posted this like orange flexi disc they received in the mail. And I sent it to Dan and our friend Jess. And I was like, what's going on? What is this? And like, I zoomed in and I was like, it says Limelight. That's your new single name. Because they hadn't announced anything. Mm -hmm. The next day I get home. And it was there waiting well, for me. Just to back up a little bit, you had posted that, and then they also like re like added to their story other people's posts. So like that's it was what clear I that saw. Some first, people were getting them, but I didn't know what it was. And we were like, how like who's getting these and why? Like the, it was not posted to purchase anywhere. And no, and total then, surprise. Then the next day, you got home. I got a package from Touche Amore mm -hmm. with their PO box in LA, and I was like, yeah. And Lindsay's like, what? And I was like, this is a Touche Amore record. She's like. Yeah, but you didn't know you were getting so I'm like, no. And she's like, but you bought it. I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah. That's a thing. And and, uh, and so you sent a video to our like Touche Amore group chat, which is like has more like hardcore it. memes and stuff. Yeah. And and me and Jess were like, What? Why did you get one and not us? Yeah, and I, I literally like sent a message to Touche Amore on Instagram, like, hey, like, can I get one of those? <laughs> and I never heard back. And then Jess was like, oh, that's so weird. But it was like, whatever. Like, yeah, some people I, got I was thinking that maybe because I bought merch from them before. But my wife, my wife bought me this shirt that I'm wearing today, actually, from like a different account as mm -hmm. a birthday present. I'm like, maybe she'll get one, too. So then the next day I got <laughs> home and there was one in my mailbox and I sent a video and I was like, whoa, I got yeah. one. And then Jess was really mad. Yeah. And I feel bad for because some people got white ones, too. I haven't seen any other oh, cars, cool. but we got like this translucent orange one. Yeah. It's pretty I, cool. I think what we figured out is that it had to do with a charitable contribution thing that we made. It might have been. Yeah, I made a couple of donations. Because we both did that and Jess didn't because she's cold-blooded. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm not like a hero for making a donation. I was trying to win those test presses. Yeah, they were like, hey, if you make a donation <laughs> to this charity, we'll enter your name into a raffle. So mm -hmm. we both did that. Anyways, we got them. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They're dope band. Jeff can't play his, but I played mine. I tried three record players, and uh, the hole is too tight for and all guys, of them. Don't if, know if why. If you're listening and you're a Spotify <laughs> user uh, and you're a Touche More fan, it's on Spotify. Yeah, it was yeah. released the day after I got it. Yeah. But like the one record player that did play it only plays at 33, and it's 45. Whoa. So I started listening to it, and I'm like, oh, this is really like depressing. And then he starts <laughs> singing, and I'm like, ah, shit. That happened to me so many times. Actually, it's happened the opposite where i'll play it at 45 when it's a 33 and it's chipmunks yeah no it, it just sounds like super like happy their condolences flexi disc i also couldn't play so i was like mm. maybe this is just a one shot because i have other flexi discs i could play i have a whale sounds one from national geographic magazine <laughs> from the 70s I've, cool. i have several of them but, yeah, but honestly cool. would you know if that was playing at the wrong speed probably not there was a narrator at the beginning oh, so, oh. <laughs> the north american humpback whale that's makes awesome. a sound to his partner and then you hear oh. <laughs> that's just dan getting dope. up out of out of bed cool wow that's that's messed up <laughs> he doesn't get up he rolls out hits the floor tangled up in his gray t-shirt <laughs> somersault <laughs> Every week on the show, we have a segment that we like to do called Talking Ourselves Into. It's just things that we're doing for the week. There. That was great. Pretty easy. Concise. Pretty good, right? Very well explained. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. This You're week, doing it, Jim. I'm doing You're it. You're playing with us. Uh, this week, I was talking myself into working through my Fox Searchlight box set that dan got me Woo! what yeah. does that entail what's inside of that uh all the fox searchlight movies from the last 20 years all of them 
basically except like the last few that have come out that's a lot what did i yeah. get that for you for was that my birthday oh, i think okay, yeah. yeah which i appreciate it was a very cool gift um but yeah i've been working through mostly mo- movies that i've already seen just like to watch those and get them out of the way and um so far i've watched um juno napoleon dynamite and oh oh i watched um black swan for the first time too oh, how many is- movies is in it a lot it's like uh i don't know it's probably like close to 20 wow yeah 20 discs or are there multiple movies per disc uh 20 discs yeah Ooh. i think it's 19 for some reason that's jumping out at me. yeah that sounds about right actually that's um, cool but yeah it's got a lot of really cool stuff in it i haven't watched napoleon dynamite in so long so i watched it a couple of years ago and it holds up it's hmm. very funny still uh very good i was just talking to the guys in the back <laughs> really holds up <laughs> um so yeah, I'm really enjoying that. I'm gonna start going through some of the movies I haven't seen yet. Um, like 28 Days Later is in there. I haven't seen that yet. That's a good flick. Um, Cillian Murphy, boy. Yeah, Slumdog. I didn't know that was Fox Searchlight. Yeah, yeah, there's a few things in there that you're like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Dog Millionaires in there. Still haven't seen that. That's good. Yeah, yeah I like it. I'm excited. You gotta invite me over to watch some of these. I'll check. Yeah, well, I'll let you know when I'm when I'm watching stuff. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Jeff, what are you talking yourself into? Napping. Oh my gosh. Haven't That's... we been here before? No, we haven't. Not me. Because not I, me. I haven't really been doing anything interesting lately, but also just the stressors of life and just the world. I haven't I haven't been really taking care of myself. So yesterday I had a free day. It was beautiful. I was like 80 degrees, sunny, beautiful day. Just took a nap for like four hours. <laughs> This isn't new, though, Jeff. When you lived with me, you spent like 90% of your life in bed. That was depression. Now I'm just tired. (laughs) Now I'm just like, I need a me day. I need to not do something. Every single day I'm doing something. I'm doing too much. I feel that. right, Mrs. Stern. Yeah, and I just just didn't want to do one thing per day. One thing (laughs) a day. I know that reference now. Thank you, guys. It's not that big. It's just... Just relaxing, man. Yeah. I was took a nap gotta, yesterday, but I didn't. You guys got to take care of yourself. Maxing and relaxing, acting all cool. Damn. Not shooting some b-ball outside of school. Yeah. Because they took the hoops. <laughs> That's damn, right. Damn libtards. Dan, what are you talking yourself into? I'm talking myself into going to a chiropractor. Wow. wow. We are all old. Yup. Uh, so I've had like some back problems for a few years now, and I've tried various things to, mm. to varying levels of success of of curing this problem. And uh, I've tried massage therapy. I've tried physical therapy. I've tried uh, sensory deprivation floating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of them I liked more than others, but none of them really gave me lasting results. Mm. So as a last ditch effort, I tried a chiropractor, uh, which was recommended by my sister, and this is a big deal in our family because uh, for some reason we're like... A chiropractor a, killed your ancestors. You're not far off. <laughs> wow. Uh, he didn't kill anyone, but w- we've had some bad experiences with chiropractors. And it's sort of like it's it was on with my grandfather. He like actually like had physical damage done to him. It's rare, but it can happen. Yeah. And so he was like hardcore against chiropractors and he taught his sons which That's one of so them funny. is my father like <laughs> do not do not ever go to a chiropractor there because chiropractors pretty much like helped my both my parents for decades yeah i they think it was just backs. like we had bad luck in our Freak family accident yeah and uh so i was like afraid of chiropractors they went to like a test study where they just had an orangutan jump on your back <laughs> never <laughs> go to the chiropractor <laughs> to this that day, monkey. we don't even know what happened to my grandfather just that it was bad 
And uh, he might have just gotten like a drunken bar fight with a chiropractor. No, it's like I mean, never go it. there. I'm going to s- destroy his business. So anyway, so I finally tried one, and guess what? It's good. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so I've heard. Yeah, it feels really good. Uh, I actually just went yesterday, and I'm a little like tight today. But I know from like the past couple appointments I've been to that over the next few days it'll feel better and better. And it is a very strange sensation. Have either you guys have no. neither oh, of you no. gone? Have you seen the videos on YouTube? Oh yeah. Try not to. Oh, it's um like this weird feeling of like fear for a second, and, and then, then like relief when the moment happens. It's like jarring. It's not pain. It's just like ah, uh, like, like you, I don't know. I've how never to tried that before. Like weird. Yeah. And then relief. So it's like this weird thing where you're like smiling out of nervousness and then instantly smiling out of like pleasure. <laughs> That's when I had my knee drained. It was my knee was extremely painful and I saw a needle going behind my kneecap and I almost passed out. And as soon as it was done, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, there's so <laughs> much relief. Like, it, it's not 100 like. percent. But like by the next day, I was like, wow, yeah. this is crazy. So, yeah, I've been going like a lot. Uh, the course of treatment is like to go twice a week for the first like month. And then you go once a week and then you go like once every other week. And, you know, mm-hmm. it just winds down. And I could see that it's actually working because after the first couple appointments, I only felt relief for like a day or two. Mm-hmm. And now it's lasting like almost a week and I'm about to transition to just once a week. So, yeah, it's it's helping and it feels really weird and cool to get every like thing cracked. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Jimmy. You already went. I already did it. Jeff Oliver, you went too. We did it. We're all We're done. done. We're done, everybody. We're going the home. End. Now we can talk about safe sex. Oh. Boo. Right. Raw's better. Okay, fellas. We're going to get it like every segment this episode. Because I think I already said it once. But Jimmy didn't. Okay, fellas. Um... <laughs> So this week I'm talking you into a comic book series that I have really been enjoying um, and it got sort of like pushed under my radar because of uh, COVID starting mm. seemed to coincide with the last couple issues of the first arc. Yeah. Comics in general have were delayed by several months. Yeah. It actually wasn't delayed, though. I assumed it would be. So I didn't buy the last issue and then I realized it was out. And uh, so I read the conclusion and I was like, oh, yeah, this is happening. So I'm talking you into a a seven issue first arc of a comic book called Safe Sex Mm -hmm. that was released by Image Comics. Um, It was written by Tina Horn and had a couple different artists throughout the arc. In seven issues? Yep. Hmm. By choice, though. There's oh, I was going to say, is it like every issue is a different artist or like? Nope. It's uh, predominantly two artists. With okay. a third artist in between mm. huh. that it was made for a very stylistic reason that you'll see. Okay. It's sort of like a tangent issue. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so the first artist is Michael Dowling. And um, uh, yeah, his stuff, uh, he continued to do the covers, I believe. I don't know. It's all weird. But uh, this is um, a dystopian future series that takes place in an America that has been... Uh, taken over by a super conservative right-wing government so it's just a real life news comic book. pretty much yeah okay. uh and and what one of the uh police state initiatives that they have put in place is to monitor and control all orgasm no. so it's not very far <laughs> off of real life is yeah. what you're saying again uh so they have like 
policed sexuality and you are required to be like married to engage in sexual encounters mm. there's monitoring procedures and you have to log all of your orgasms it's very weird and strange uh and the story is told from the point of view of a group of uh sex workers and kink enthusiasts by the way we should say here early on uh this is going to be an explicit episode because there's not a lot of ways to describe what's going on here without talking not necessarily profanity but without talking explicitly let's just say so uh so it's told from the point of view of a group of sex workers and uh just kinky people who have been forced to go underground some of them have married each other just so they continue to have sex some of them have literally like gone off the grid to maintain their way of life and uh it's about looking at how they're choosing to live in this society and uh antics ensue crazy action what happens if they break these laws and how do they rebel i don't know so i got i got exposed to this series from an article in rolling stone magazine which talked about um you know basically just an overview of the plot and the world and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. a little bit about tina horn who's a writer who's had a long career in writing um kink and sex advice stuff um this is her first time writing a comic um what is your guys level of exposure to this series zero percent i know that it exists because you looked for issues while we were at that's entertainment in worcester massachusetts which is a giant comic book music nerdy store all in one and uh you couldn't find the issues and you're like i was like just ask you're like they're not gonna know what it is and you're like oh, do you have issue three of safe sex and like four people were like hell yeah we do <laughs> so apparently they were super into it that's literally all i know yeah um jim do you have any exposure to it no literally just what you've told me about it so the, and you talk about it incessantly every time we record <laughs> that's true actually the the third issue um is sort of a tangent issue that has art by Alejandra Gutierrez. Um, and you'll see how that sort of plays out. And then the last artist who finished out the first arc and who I believe is, conti- <clears throat> who I believe is continuing on the next arc is Jen Hickman. Hmm. So, um, in relation to John Hickman, I don't believe so. Hmm. Uh, but I'm going to have you guys read the first seven issue arc, which is called protection. Uh, it's very much in the cultural zeitgeist right <laughs> now it? because this the trade paperback has just been released. I was going to say, where can we find this? Because it's not at my library. Uh-oh. Um, it is available at major bookstores, uh, independent comic book stores. It's pretty affordable. But you guys don't have to worry about that because I'm an awesome friend. Whoa. You are? Wow. Oh, he's standing wow. up. Wow. Uh-oh. He's grabbing the Umbrella Academy. Oh, you put it backwards so I couldn't see the spines. Oh, oh wow. I was wow. just looking at Amazon. Look at this. Look at these sexy people on Thanks, the cover. Fam. Yeah, so I picked up this the This one trades. girl has a knife. I'm not into knife play, Dan. I just want to say I'm not into that. Well, it may not be knife play. It may be. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I just opened up to a random page <laughs> and I'm into this. Oh, don't yeah. don't look. There's spoilers in there. Um, I always do that. So uh, that was the first surprise. And the second surprise I had to spoil on Jimmy. But yeah. Jeff, you don't know this. <gasps> oh, I was able to interview the writer, Tina Horn. Oh, wow. And she's going to be on the second half of this episode talking about the comic and her uh, history with uh, Why wouldn't you tell me that? That's cool. It is cool. And you're learning now. But why Why wouldn't you tell me in advance? 
I don't know. It you just kept, happened. That's a big he secret. He likes surprises. Yeah. Jeff loves surprises is what I know about him. I like it. I'm happy about this. I wish I could have been a part of it. You interview everybody. I don't interview anyone. Well, take it upon yourself to interview someone. We are a team. We're supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to do all the legwork and then say, here, Jeff, go interview this <laughs> oh, person. Oh, but now, now she's going to listen to this episode and she's going to think I'm an idiot. No. She's going to listen. She's going to listen to it and hear you who have no exposure and you're going to be talked into it because it's very good. I'm not even talking about the. I didn't even think about that. What now? What? What if I hate it? Well, then that's the way it is. I don't think I'm going to hate. it. I probably like it. Yeah. But like, Jimmy, did I say anything embarrassing? No, not yet. <laughs> okay. I've been listening. All right. Anyways, uh, so when we come back, you guys are going to have read the first seven issues of Safe Sex on Image Comics, and uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to go through it, and we're also going to hear the interview with Tina Horn about the creation of the comic and where it's going in the future. That's awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. Image image is great. Ten dollar yeah. first trades. Yeah. Love that. She talks about that actually. That was a big uh yeah. big awesome. thing she fought for. Cool. Great. As promised, here's my interview with Tina Horn. Warning. From this point on, we will be spoiling everything in the first seven issues of Safe Sex. So this week's episode, we're talking about safe sex issues one through seven protection. And I'm very excited to be joined by Tina Horn, who is the creator and writer of the series. Tina, you've had a pretty long and successful career as a kink writer. True. How did you get started in that? You know, I mean, I, I've I've been a freelancer uh, for my entire adult life. So um, I have, you know, been very devoted to writing and I am also a podcaster. I have a, a kink and sex show called Why Are People Into That if, that people can yes. check out wherever they pod. Um, and, you know, I've also like written, uh, uh, I've done like reporting on sexuality culture for magazines like Rolling Stone and 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 like teach uh, kink classes at places like um, it's sort of like sex positive community centers and, and stores like uh, Pleasure Chest. Um, and, you know, I really got into that as sort of a, a second job when I was also working, you know, mostly full time in the sex industry. So I've worked as a professional dominatrix. I've worked in pornography, uh, you know, various different parts of the industry. And, you know, at a, at a certain, after doing that for about a decade, I, sort of felt like I wanted to, you know, reach a broader audience with my work than just the people who were either like paying for my porn or coming to see me for my like direct client service providing and um mm-hmm. and and just kind of figure out a a more sustainable way to engage in a lot of the same themes that I was engaged in in my work in the sex industry proper but then like um, using my passion for literature and journalism and even performance art and experimental art to sort of engage in those same things, but like in in different in different mediums. I really appreciate in uh, in safe sex and in some of your other work how you're able to just shine a light on um, sex work and show some of the. Mon- mundane aspects of it and take away like a lot of the male gaze that we see in pop culture when it comes to that work it got me thinking specifically with safe sex when did the idea of using the backdrop of 
sex work and just the industry of kink or whatever you want to call it to tell a fictional story? When did that idea like pop into your head as an early colonel? And do you remember what it initially looked like? What was the earliest incarnation of safe sex? Yeah, totally. Having been a sex worker and then also like reporting on sex work politics, it's it's so maddening because there's so much misinformation and disinformation and so much stigma and fear around the sex industry. And in particular, you know, in popular culture from comic books to literature to TV and film and even music, the representation of sex work is often like comes from people who have no idea what the work is actually like. And you mentioned the mundane aspects of it, as well as the glamorous aspects of it. Um, You know, people just get it really wrong. And then of course, you know, people see films like pretty woman, for example, is, you know, sort of the the ultimate example. And they're like, Oh, well that's what being a hooker must be like. Uh, That's my only frame of reference. You know, uh, I think that I don't know any sex workers, more people know sex workers than they realize because a lot of sex workers can't afford to be out because of all of that stigma. Right. Um, And so I, I wanted to tell a really thrilling fun entertaining sexy scary suspenseful story about all of the fucked up shit that i already know is real (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. like it was a, a very kind of like cathartic experience to like put so many of the injustices and like double standards that sex workers have to deal with with the way that our work is criminalized and the way that we're um, disproportionately surveilled and policed, uh, you know, to take all of those things and kind of imagine a, you know, not too distant future dystopia where that shit affects like everyone. I hope mm. that people would read this and be like, God, that that seems like it would be really bad. And then like, surprise, like this is a way that it already is for a lot of people and, and really kind of always has been. So I, I you know, I, I, I wanted to to sort of aspire to the work of like the great satirists and the great like dystopian writers to kind of like shed some light on shit that is already fucked in America um, by Mm -hmm. like turning up the absurdity just a little bit and hoping that then people will relate to the heroes of the story who are the criminals and they're criminalized for making the art that they make, for doing the job that they have the opportunity to do, to make a living, to make ends meet. And in mm-hmm. in many cases for having the identities that they do and, and being who they are. And Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the dystopian writers that you respect and look up to because I, I think safe sex does fall into the category of dystopia, but it might be, at least with what I'm familiar with, it might be one of the least far-fetched dystopian (laughs) looks at the world. Because like you said, for a large segment of our society, this is the way the world works. And for the rest of us, it may not be that far-fetched. So like the first issue of Safe Sex came out just under a year ago. Mm -hmm. And like as time passes, we are sadly getting closer and closer to this world. So I'm wondering if as you plotted out the first story arc and as you look towards the future of Safe Sex... Have you had to adjust what you think the characters who are not part of the Dirty Mind Collective, 
what would be palatable? In other words, like it, as you look out into our society and see what people are willing to put up with, mm-hmm. has that affected the way you are structuring plot lines going forward? That is such a smart question. I, I think that I've had an idea for who I want the big bad of the next arc to be for quite some time. And unfortunately it's, the kind of person that like represents a social problem that has been around for a a while. Um, And I'll just give a tease and say that that social problem is incels. Um, Mm. uh, But, you know, and and for folks who have read volume one protection, the first seven issues of safe sex that are now collected in the trade paperback from image comics, which you can get wherever comics or comic uh, books are sold. I, I guess like, Inspector Wilder appears in the beginning of the arc in his capacity as a cop and then appears in the end kind of showing sort of what his ideologies are and like kind of who his his devotees are. That is sort of meant to also like set up the big bad of the of the next arc. And when I had originally been thinking about that character there was much more emphasis on him as uh, having this like men's rights activist ideology but i guess i'm probably going to be leaning even more into the fact that he is a cop because safe sex has always been an acab book for mm-hmm. the reasons that i've already talked about um you know the the cops are definitely the enforcers of an unjust system in safe sex as they are in real life. And, mm. uh, and I just, I think that with so much more absolutely necessary national attention being paid to the way that cops in America are enforcing a system that has always been corrupt, I guess I will probably lean more into that because it seems like the world is ready for like serious critiques of that. But I guess, you know, that was kind of already there. Yeah. You know, by the end of the first seven issue arc, uh, the dirty mind has gone public and there's sort of this growing underground that we see in the last few pages. Yes. Um, But the lead characters, specifically Avery are left in sort of a precarious position. Mm -hmm. So, so I wanted to know, uh, it seems like because you've been in this world in your own life, mm-hmm. um, are there people that you equate with Avery or the other protagonists and leads? And if so, is it difficult to leave them in a precarious or you know difficult or painful place? And are you excited um, about the future? <laughs> yeah, well, um, again, another great question and the you know the answer to do i know people like avery and sylvia and casey and denis and george uh, absolutely i also know people like borman and powell the and wilder the the main villains um mm-hmm. and um i definitely you know and they're not to say that they're like analogs of like any uh, real people you know they're they're based on people that i know and people i'm in community with and people I admire or don't admire, (laughs) depending on whether they're a hero or villain, you're painfully aware of like the tropes that people who are like you fall into. Like I'm sure 
that you're familiar with the trope of barrier gaze, right? Mm -hmm. Where like queer characters just across the board in entertainment just are so much quicker to be killed off so that a straight character can like learn a lesson about themselves or like, um, about life and, or about the themes of the movie or whatever. And it's like, uh, you know, and that actually does like perpetuate like real life violence against queer people, especially trans people. And so when I'm making these queer characters, I like, of course, like, you know, they're like my little gabies Hmm. and I like want to, I want to like treat them really nicely. And they've been so like mistreated by the world in general and the world of the story. It's like, of course I want to give them happy endings and I want them to have all the things that they want. I want them to be able to be with the people that they love and and to survive and thrive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I've also learned, and this goes back to like the lesson that I feel like I've really learned as a fiction writer, that it is actually, it would be disrespectful to my characters to just like give them everything that they want. Right. If there's no stakes for the characters, then then I'm just coddling them, right? right? Uh, I'm coddling my babies. Mm. I'm like being like a helicopter parent um, uh, as a creator. And so, you know, I have to like create these characters that I like have so much like love and affection for. And then because I respect them, I have to put them through hell Mm. and put them in these really shitty situations. And sometimes that even means like leaving them at the end of a story arc in a really shitty situation because that also like, if I, if I didn't, if it, if I was too precious with the characters, then that would also be a disservice to the real life ordeals that people like this are, you know, continue to go through. Like this fight is not one in real life. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to like give like a false victory to my characters in the context of the story. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, that was sort of how I came to the conclusion of having Avery end up in a really horrifying situation by the end. And that also leaves a door open for more adventures for her because if she and and everyone, because if everyone is like living happily ever after, then like, where's, you know, how do you make a sequel out of that? Right. So leaving people with like a sort of unsatisfying ending and more shitty situations for our characters to overcome, like that's what storytelling is. And we want to see characters grow and change. And in order to grow and change, they need conflict and they need to be in like awful situations. So, um, and that is also a reflection of like, the real life political subtext that is um, so important to the book. Yeah. Well, I think you've shown like a really deft hand the way you wrapped up the first arc. The reader sort of gets this sense of some form of like triumph and hope for the future. But like you awesome. said, it's it's not the hero saves the day and everything's all sunshine and roses. So I personally am really excited for, for what's coming next. Awesome. And- as you alluded to, the first seven issues are now out at the time of this airing in paperback. So it's uh, Safe Sex Volume 1 Protection. And mm-hmm. I have to admit, it's at a very affordable price point, which is satisfying to it, me. It is. Yes. No, uh, I mean, just to like pull back the curtain, because I think it's important to talk about the biz, like um, working with Image is so wonderful. And it's as a creator, it's like running a small business and image is so supportive and gives me so much insight about the industry. And they were like, Hey, you know, it's a way to 
to support the direct market, you know, to support the retailers to say like, hey, we're going to make this at like a really affordable price point so that you will like take a chance on stocking a lot of of this book, which is like the first volume of a trade paperback by somebody who is new to comics. And I kind of feel like I would rather more people take a chance on it because right. it is... Nine ninety nine, yeah, and um, and then hopefully, then like later on, we'll do the like hardcover <laughs> gold foil ultimate uh, deluxe you know, edition, c- ultimate deluxe editions, exactly, and the the Blu Ray and the yeah. uh, blah 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 and the figurines and and everything like that, and that's that's where we're gonna get you in the wallet, yeah. So, uh, but. So, so stock up now. <laughs> Obviously, everyone who's listening to this episode needs to go out and buy their copy. And as you alluded to earlier, I'm also really loving your your podcast. Why are people into that? And I especially encourage people to check out the episode where you interviewed your collaborator, Jen Hickman. That was mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. cool. If you're a fan of comics, you got really granular with the process, how you guys work back and forth together to get an issue made. So, yeah, check that out. Like you said, wherever podcasts are, va- are available. And uh, you're totally. On- oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that uh, uh, that you've started listening to the podcast because of the comic. That makes me really happy. Yeah. And you are on Twitter at mm-hmm. at Tina Horn's ass, which is a great handle. Or is it true. At Tina Horn sass? I guess that's up to you the know, reader. It's 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 both. It's both and neither. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you're working on or you have coming out in the future that we need to check up on? Those are the t- the safe sex. The trade paperback volume one protection that is out now is a big one. And the next story arc that we're working on and will probably be crowdfunding Mm -hmm. sometime before the end of the year. So there will be a lot of a chance to get in on that early and uh, have access to some really cool rewards. So definitely follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tina Horn Sass or whatever. <laughs> Tiana T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N-S-A-S-S. And uh yeah, listening to Why Are People Into That wherever podcasts are potted. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to like demechanize my brain from thinking that I have to be productive all the time in this really weird, uncertain grief-stricken world right. man so just trying to chill the fuck out yeah. so i hope y'all do the same and wear wear a mask yeah. wear, <laughs> and wash your fucking hands wear a mask protect yourself love your friends do all the cool totally. things hell yeah love your love your friends by not hugging them that's right love them from a distance yeah exactly well <laughs> tina thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me i'm so excited like i told you before thank you so much for having me i have had this comic on the plans to do on the podcast and just by a long shot i reached out to you and the fact that you're going to be a guest on this episode is so huge for me and oh i'm so glad well i hope that you convince your co-hosts to i, check I it can out. almost guarantee you that at the end of this episode you will have two <laughs> new loyal readers so wonderful so i'm so excited and thank you again it's so nice to meet you and thanks so much for having me on and i i can't wait to listen to your show awesome Safe sex or SFSX, as it is sometimes been marketed yes. uh, to find easier on the Internet and on social media, uh, is a comic book that we read by Tina Horn, uh, who Dan interviewed. Yes. That was a very good interview. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I like it. Good job. It. 
So we're going to be spoiling. We are. The first seven issues yes. of Safe Sex called Protection. And we should say that uh, they had a very in-depth conversation that was too long to put in this episode. Yeah, I had a really great talk with her that went longer than we initially anticipated. So we did have to cut down the interview. But um, for people who are interested, I encourage you all to check out the full conversation, which we're going to post for free on our Patreon. Yes. You which, don't have to subscribe. It's going to be up there for free. It's just But you a, should. Yeah, you should. If you like what we have to put up there, go for it. But this interview is totally free. It's just a way for us to And what's the, the web address for that, Jeff? Patreon.com slash talk me into. That's right. So let's get into it, boys. Let us get into it, Jim. Why yeah. don't you start since you haven't been talking much these last one minute? <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I went on up there. Okay, um, so this is uh, Safe Sex, as we've talked about before. Um, this comic basically starts you right off, right in the middle of oh, an orgy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very Saga-esque, this very first page. Yeah. Because Saga, every issue starts out with just a full page of something intense and graphic. And that's exactly what this is. And I opened this up, and I was like, there's a lot of fucking yeah no sorry jim because we're swearing on this episode yeah we're, we're not gonna go too crazy but you'll be hearing some words here um so first impressions right off the bat is i really dug the artwork yeah and i think i forgot to mention the artist for this first set of issues uh michael dowling he yes. does a great job with um i think he's on the first four one two and four yeah yeah uh, they have the guest artist uh alejandra gutierrez for issue three and then they go to Jen Hickman for five, six, and seven. Yes, correct. And I believe um, what I learned in my conversation, which you can, the extended conversation you can find on patreon.com slash talk me into, is that uh, Jen Hickman will be returning for the next arc. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I would also like to give a shout out. Um, the first issue was also um, colored by um, the same person who, who drew it mm-hmm. and um, definitely gave it a, a feel throughout the entire um arc basically yeah like um the the difference between like obviously the uh the the name of the place well is... jen hickman also drew and colored I'm oh okay at, yeah so yeah. the artists are they're, they're doing the it colors. all yeah. um so like basically the differences between like the dirty mind and like the real life yep it, it's so awesome how they like differentiate between the two i think that's really well done yeah definitely in the colors the dirty mind is all like purple uh, purple neon neon pink bright electric blues and then um the pleasure centers or the real world of the party yeah is all like drab beiges gray off-white yeah it's all very like i'm glad you picked up on that oh for sure like um that's what i love about like i'm always like really appreciating colors nowadays like we i remember talking about it with paper girls too like how that that book evokes like a certain emotion literally just from the colors yep and i would also agree with this book as well like i think that the colors i definitely even more so in this book um so to get back to where where you started page one is a big splash page yeah where avery is recounting the last time she had an orgasm in front of a crowd of people (laughs) yeah which is the dirty mind a big orgy sequence right double splash pages yeah uh, so um, basically, uh, plot-wise, we're getting into like how the party basically infiltrated the um, uh, the dirty mind and stuff like that, and uh, also like really in the, pretty much like very in the beginning. I love the little details that are put into there. Like I just remember seeing a little piece of graffiti that just said "fuck the party, let's fucking party." 
um which i just think was like really good like yeah. i just love it's just a little detail i think is like really i just appreciate that with comic books yeah there's a lot of good hidden stuff in the backgrounds and stuff yeah so basically we're talking about like the um the party infil- infiltrates the dirty mind and we're um we should say a little bit briefly about what the party and what the dirty mind is jeff you want to sort of cover where we're at in in the world it's it's nothing that dan didn't mention in the first half so it's not deep which isn't a bad thing Mm -hmm. it's it's a simple uh base Mm -hmm. it's this very sexually open club and you know more sexually explicit than i would imagine a real one is and like a room somewhere we don't know though this isn't our world no that's true i've I've seen real sex on hbo (laughs) so i i think i have an idea and i've heard uh some stuff on howard stern no i don't know you're right and then the party is just like i don't know i would say dystopian but (laughs) it feels very (laughs) real not too weird it it feels it feels a lot like you know middle america bible belt fake republicans who say that they hate all this stuff but then get arrested for soliciting sex in airport bathrooms it's basically a totalitarian totalitarian state that's centered on sexual repression right right Right. and it there's not men i mean they do mention motives and they sort of mention religion Mm. but it's not like a a real world thing like the bible says that anal is bad Hmm. you know what i mean so no it's sort of this overarching thought process that our our quote-unquote base desires um are preventing us from living up to our true capabilities Mm -hmm. so the party is trying to control and hinder those desires in order to make people in turn which sort of makes the party like its own religion Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would agree with that so so as jimmy was alluding to the plot of the first issue is we see uh avery involved in this threesome and then the party crashes in the doors of the dirty mind collective Mm -hmm. and uh they get raided uh, we see Jones, who is the leader of the Dirty Mind, which, which I mean, this is like dystopian, but that happens in gay clubs, yeah, and gay culture mm-hmm. in our lifetimes or shortly before our lifetime, for sure. And uh, so Jones gets taken away, gets separated from her partner Sylvia, and there seems to be like a lot of hectic stuff going on. And Avery escapes, uh, basically grabs george who was the guy she was with at the time Mm -hmm. and they escape down like a tunnel and get out of there yeah and And then we flash forward yeah we flash forward three years and avery and uh george are married now Mm -hmm. um it literally goes right into a sex scene Mm -hmm. um it's it's, pretty good too like it looks real it's it's pretty good i mean it's it's pretty good it's uh it's pretty good um it's pretty funny like this entire first issue i love how whenever in media there's sex things it's always in the very beginning to hook you Mm -hmm. um um it's just a common thing so i didn't i mean we are going beat by beat but overall we can talk too that's what i thought too and just like knowing what dan told me about uh the author like a previous sex worker maybe one of the artists too i'm not sure i was like this whole book is just gonna be like smut like it's going to be mm. something to jerk off to and it's not like there are those few scenes in the beginning i'm like okay wow this is pretty graphic but most of it is just like a it's like it's an, an action yeah, yeah it's an action adventure espionage the, the pitch that image comic used like the little one sentence pitch which i liked was it's oceans 11 in the world of sex workers yeah yeah i, I can see that. definitely see that so yeah jimmy you're right um i definitely i love uh, as i was talking about before i love in comics when 
there are little details to tell you things about like the world that you're living in like mm -hmm. um i love how basically instead of credit score you have purity score yep which is based off of like how not sexually deviant deviant you are mm -hmm. or um uh it, it's the little things where they're talking about on tv how like this entire movement is a feminist movement because mm -hmm. um, it basically they want men to be not looking at women with a sexual gaze and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. it, it's really well done. Well, I think that was a really interesting spin on this whole thing that um, Tina Horn did was mm -hmm. it's very easy when you look at this sort of repressive culture. You can just be like, oh, it's a man's world. Right. To make yeah. it anti-woman and make it regressive. The fact that the lead villain in this series is Borman, who's a who's a a woman names are great by the way yeah borman and uh how she is uh um sort of has this feminist agenda that she thinks that women will be better off if men are not yeah they even say that like watching pornography they considered the porn star to be more of a slave yeah right which i guess for a while and i mean in some cases still now depends it on the porn is. you're watching right i mean it, a lot of girls might do things for money like a, a lot of webcam girls in mm. the early aughts or tens dealt with that stuff it seems like now it's a little bit more like people are in control of their own things maybe that's because it's more transparent and they're on social media and doing like only fans or like so, yeah. so but it I'm, also pulls but, in but that's what they were saying like it's it's more like by watching porn you're abusing women yeah but it also yeah. pulls in this um sort of conflict between like I guess what you would consider like sex positive feminism versus conservative fe feminism or second wave versus third wave. Yep. So the like Borman represents these old school feminists who think that, um, you know, the key to female empowerment is through like modesty and presenting yourself in a more masculine way. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, Jones, well, as we find out early version of jones avery sylvia all the people that work for the date dirty mind represent a new era of feminism that embraces their sexuality their kinks their queerness yep. Yep. and says like we can be this and still want equality yeah so uh so yeah but basically like avery and george have become married i mean they do love each other but i don't think either of them would have been married if it wasn't for right. the world they live in it's a marriage of necessity right uh because without marriage you can't have sex. Yeah. Um, and we get a little bit more of that later sex on in a flashback. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, we see them ha have sex in the scene. Afterwards, they're... Immediately uh, afterwards. George is filing his paperwork. Yeah. And he, he wants Avery to do the same. It reminds me of that Black Mirror episode, Nose Dive. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which you can hear about in our Black Mirror episode. Yeah. Yeah. Cross-promoting ourselves. <laughs> um, what... So the the short of it is that uh they they have the party crash on them and they take george in and they arrest him well avery thinks it's because she didn't file her paperwork oh they didn't arrest george that was later uh well they actually arrested him earlier uh oh, because right. he works at the pleasure center and yep. he got off the wrong floor of the elevator and saw something he shouldn't have saw so that's really why so he then was they go to the house and they're chasing her right yep. yeah. and i like throughout this comic you see it here with the high heels and you see it later when they're in the vents and using bondage as yep. a way to like get up they're using their experiences as sex workers and there's a really get through like these like action-packed scenes it's that's pretty funny. one of my favorite parts about yeah. this is that like they're basically sex worker superheroes but it's not corny it's not like no. they're using like dildos and stuff as nunchucks right yeah because she actually alludes to it she says there are some things like that help her like uh 
She's very good at like, like her core is strong. Yeah, she can up on change position in midair. Yeah. Uh, she can look fabulous no matter how horrible the situation. She, <laughs> she uses a high heel as yeah. a weapon. Yeah. She digs it into the eyeball of one of the police officers who that, we see more at the end. That was gruesome. That wasn't yeah. very nice. Yeah. Um, so from there, we beat um, as the um, the what are they called? Uh, the party is sort of looking for her. Um, and she escapes and tries to make it to what is now known. Well, it's always been known, but what the the um, the new headquarters? Yeah, the new headquarters of what's the name the of it? The Dirty Mind. The Dirty Mind. It's like a cave. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's like the Bat Cave. It's an old cruising the spot, which I think is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's where where the first issue ends, and we're getting into the next one. Um, basically, we find out that because. Um, Avery left the Dirty Minds when it was being raided and stuff. She's basically looked at like as a deserter. Like she's she's the one who got married, is trying to live a normal life, which yep. like is what's happening. But like it's not necessarily what she wanted to do and stuff like that. But I mean, basically, the mem- other members of the desert of the Dirty Mind have decided to live outside of society. Yeah, they've stayed true to themselves, but they cannot exist within this world. So they're like literally underground yeah and uh yeah they view avery as a, a traitor as persona non grata yeah um and so there's a lot of conflict especially between avery and sylvia uh who sylvia is definitely one of the leaders of the dirty mind yeah and uh she feels personally wrong because avery is coming to them for help she wants their help to break george out of the pleasure center yep and uh sylvia's like where were you to help me they took jones mm-hmm. that's the love of my life and you disappeared yeah. and she's got a good point oh yeah. yeah and i mean she thinks jones is dead yeah so she's just grieving still right so then we see uh avery basically is put out you know they hook her up with some change of clothes some supplies and they they send her back out and she realizes that the only person she can really turn to right now is uh nick client yeah who's a former john of hers yeah and uh, she goes to uh, Nick's house. And what's the big reveal at the end of the episode? We find out what George saw that got him thrown into uh, into captivity. Nick and Avery are watching TV and they see an interview with Borman. Oh, right. And she reveals her secret pet project that her reformation program has been working to. She unveils the newly reformed Mrs. Jones. She's alive, Jim. Oh, she's alive. This whole time. Well, alive is one word for it. Yeah. She's fully brainwashed. <laughs> yeah. Her brain is not alive anymore. Yeah. Just her body. Yeah, and then uh, that's when the other two show up, uh, Sylvia and... Casey. Casey. And they, I'm bad with the names, by the way. I am too. I could be wrong. I'm, I, I'm I, acting all I, I know the faces in my head, but yeah, I can't same. remember the names. But yeah, they throw a chair through the window, and that's how the second issue ends. And yeah. Then we get to probably one of my favorite issues in the in the book. Oh, it's funny you say that because it's my least favorite. Really? Yes. I like that it, it's a side issue. I like that it, it's basically I, like a little flashback. I like when comics do this. Yeah. And I like that they change the art and they show like while ep- issue two is happening, that's what these characters are up to. And then you meet up at the same point. Yeah. So I do like that instead of having it interspersed in one issue, you're doing one right. issue and then a second issue. Uh, Jimmy, why was it your favorite issue? I think it was my favorite issue because you went through basically it was um, I, I don't remember who exactly, but 
they were giving a tour of the dirty mine basically it was like an orientation program for new visitors first timers yeah and it it was just really cool to see like the different like things that you could do and like how what their mentality is and stuff and like oh you got to give consent or else this dude's gonna beat the shit out of you and like just things like that i think it's cool to like i always love when there's like world building and like oh they literally she wrote out like everything that probably would happen in this and like just stuff like that i like that too and the first thing i notice in this well visually uh i'll get to that but the first thing i noticed as far as storytelling was the first two issues were pretty dense and not in a bad way some comics Mm. um when i was getting weekly issues you know spending like 60 dollars a week and or whatever um some issues you'd pick up and you'd put down like two minutes later and like you can appreciate the art but there's not much like there's not much there Mm. there's not much to read there's not much to get into um but these first two issues you get your money's worth if you're buying single issues you're like okay yeah this took me time to read yeah image doesn't have ads right no it doesn't yeah so that's also another yeah so so you know when you're buying single issues you're paying four bucks you're getting your money's worth this was a lot quicker to read it wasn't as dense so just like as pacing goes it was not that it's a bad thing, but it was a different pace than the other issues. Yeah. And then the art, I like that they changed the art because it's more fun. This was a yes. flashback to a time when the dirty mind was what it was. And they're showing you all these different things or walking you through the process. The problem is I didn't like the art. Yeah. At I, all. I, I like the art because obviously, yeah, it is super different and it's very stylized and it's cartoony. And But I sort of like that I'm, because yeah yeah i like it because like it just gives like especially in the beginning of the uh the first issue it there's just this overwhelming feeling of euphoria and like um just like pleasure and like how they're talking and like it's like oh have you ever like have you ever known what it feels like to orgasm in front of a thousand people Mm. and stuff like that it's just like and just like how they they're talking and like what their mindset is and like it just felt like all of that was in this one issue even though there are right and this is the fun issue so the art is fun and it's more light but i just i didn't really like that much i don't know if it was just like it was too sketchy there wasn't like enough shading it's definitely loose yeah i could i could pick on the art i mean i'm not an artist this is just kind of like yeah i just don't prefer it so i will say that i talked a lot about this issue with tina horn and i encourage you guys to check out the full interview on patreon.com slash talk me into which is free um and she said the story behind this issue is um she had this arc planned out as a six issue arc that's what was pitched to image and agreed upon then when it became clear that Michael Dowling was going to be leaving the book, she really wanted to work with this artist, Alejandro Gutierrez, but she knew that her style wouldn't work for the majority of this storyline. Right. She needed something to be more um, emotional and realistic and things like that. But she had a strong personal connection with her. She respected her art. Um, as as I alluded to, Jeff, this is the other artist that uh, comes from a sex worker background. Yep. So um, basically they decided uh, that they were going to do this pop in issue to show the events of issue two from another point of view. Um, Tina Horn pitched it to image and image liked the idea. So the word that Tina used to describe this issue is zany. Yeah. She wanted it to be uh, over the top and be sort of a fun pressure release of all this mounting plot that had come up in the first two issues, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think she achieved. And also what I love about it is the way that they worked on this issue was the initial idea was the first thing that Tina Horn did was write down a list of crazy ideas of 
specific kink rooms like a blowjob yeah. with a snorkel yeah that's pretty funny <laughs> human toilet room yeah the one thing i do want to know about this is i want to know the story be behind urinal queen because there's just yeah. a picture of an actual <laughs> yeah. person uh i don't know who that is but there is a, a later part or actually i think it's in the first page of this issue oh, i can't remember where it is but someone's looking at monitors yeah the first page yep uh that woman in those pictures is alejandra gutierrez oh, oh really okay so she put herself, she put herself on the monitors that's, that's, that's funny. funny um but yeah i i think this is a fun issue and then like tina horn said to me um it wasn't all fun and games they wanted to see the re um the reaction of sylvia when mm. when jones is revealed so those last couple pages are important to sylvia's arc yeah for sure like obviously this isn't important for the entire thing i just think it's my favorite because it's the most fun and like it's the most like weird and yeah, it went feels out like, there feels like a bottle episode of a tv yeah. show yeah for sure uh that's that's what i liked about it but then we get back to the plot with issue yep. four and uh you guys want to get into that's a big like sort of like heist issue like let's plan the heist out yeah you're getting a lot of the uh the background behind her husband george yeah mm -hmm. george and how he got into uh being physically dominated and into pain play yep and which plays a huge part later on mm -hmm. um and this is also uh mixed in with how they met right yeah so that's how it starts out how they met and the introduction of him getting like tied up and beat and all that and then you turn the page and you go from these bright pinks and purples like we said to these like beige. dry beige drab teals and the juxtaposition of him in pain like and pleasure yep. to him in yeah. pain and not in pleasure mm -hmm. is is a pretty jarring i think it does thing. a really good job i'm not personally someone who's into any like snm or dom sub play at all but this comic series actually like made me understand that world a lot more than other pieces of pop culture that deal with it right. i'd agree with that i it's funny you said that i was like immediately like oh we should have done fun facts like what we're into what are our kinks <laughs> nope <laughs> but uh yeah five years ago i would have yeah i think tina horn did a really good job but the of, party got to me jim <laughs> i think she did a really good job of showing how people can intermingle pain and pleasure and how that's different from torture <laughs> yeah right. and the, yeah. the part that stood out to me most in these seven issues is the introduction scene to this when he was like i have fantasies of being marked by someone like you is that normal hmm. that's a very common thing for whatever your kink or desires are like questioning what's right. normal that feeling what's of because like you're you're raised in like a church and you're told that like don't look at people of the same sex don't think about your butt yeah unfortunately yeah. uh the country we live in was founded by puritans so all of us have this ingrained in us that right. this guilt of sexual immorality. And uh, yeah, like I think you that's a great point, Jeff, that he had Thank to you. confront that. Yeah. And then we I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, we get to basically uh, Nick with Avery, Sylvia, Casey. And is Dennis in there at this point? Denis. Denis? What I'm not sure Denis? to pronounce that How name. How do you know that, Jim? She said it in the interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, anyway. Um, they're basically planning how they're going to break uh, George and Jones out of the pleasure center. Yeah, that's the next issue where we have the actual like heist, like we like what you were saying. And okay, and this issue was uh, it like it made me think a lot and it made me cringe a lot. 
but not not like the bad cringe like it was intended to be this way so mm-hmm. like you're introduced to like how he likes pain and now how they're like doing more of that pain but intense to him like oh you like pain well here's torture right yeah um and there's a page with some cbt and if you don't know what that is that's cock and ball torture and jimmy's not going to edit that out uh. this episode that's like the one thing that if i see like my dick shrivels up into my stomach and i'm like oh no no don't do that <laughs> Because it's just like I I have just a, a fear, not even a sexual fear, just in my life of testicular torsion. Mm-hmm. That's when your testicle oh, yeah. twists and it's supposed to be like really bad pain and they can die. I just live in fear. Like if I sit on my nut wrong, like my ball is going to fall off. So you're referencing the <laughs> series of panels where he has like a bowling ball. Yeah, I literally fucking dog marked it so we could <laughs> so I could bring this up. But this is also a great twist. It is because he's like to his captor. He's like the thing you both forgot is I, I like, like this. this. And then he like swings a bowling ball with his dick and balls and i'm like whoa yeah that's one of my favorite parts of this whole arc is yeah. how he uses his superpower against them i yeah. like it yeah bro oh my god and he smashes his his uh jailer in the face with the bowling ball yeah it was dope <laughs> it was oh, really cool. man really well that done. made my little guy go up inside <laughs> and now uh george is is on the run inside the pleasure center naked and badly beaten yeah <laughs> it's pretty funny all right, Dan had to take a, a little pee-pee break. Tinkle break. I forgot what we were talking about. Uh, we were talking about how George escaped and was running loose and naked through the halls yeah, of the Pleasure Center. Naked yeah. boy. And uh, you guys want to get into how, uh, let's call them the Dirty Mind Collective, how mm-hmm. they hatched their scheme to uh, break George out. I think that gets into issue, what issue are we on? Five. Now? Issue five. This is yeah. when uh, Jen Hickman takes over. Uh-huh. And I think it's a, it was a good choice. Like, I don't know why she chose uh, Dowling or Hickman, but their art is very similar. It so is. It feels, it feels the same. I think that I like hers a little bit more. I think the so usage of colors is a tiny bit better. There's a little bit more in there, but I think that her characters are a little bit more expressive, yeah. but not much. Like, I still think it works great with uh, Dowling. So in the podcast episode that I referenced in our interview of um, Tina Horn's podcast, uh, she does interview Jen Hickman and and Jen Hickman um, makes reference to uh, trying to not change her style, but just match the right. look of Dowling's artwork. Yeah. So it feels of one piece. Um I agree. I think her characters are a little bit more expressive, a little bit better actors. And I also, she reminds me a little bit of um, John Romita Jr. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. There's a little bit of kick-ass in there for me. Um, But yeah, so so Jeff, why don't you get into the, the scheme, the heist? Yeah, so there's there's still a lot more back and forth. I think that you really, they did a really good job at. This is Sylvia and Jones back at the dirty mind the old dirty mind before the party took over mm-hmm. so they're establishing that relationship more oh and we should say because it becomes important later on that um the the party has taken over the former headquarters of the dirty right. mind and made it the pleasure center so they, which is they for know they know the, the, the skeleton right, yeah. of the building and um they did a really good job in this uh issue five risk of establishing what their relationship was before because it shows you how fucked up it is that jones is who she is now mm-hmm. and yeah. how like they're there later on there's a confrontation between the two when it's pretty much one of them's going to kill the other mm-hmm. um and that holds a lot more weight because of these few pages when you see i agree when it, you see jones finger banging sylvia's <laughs> butt and it goes here. to show you that um 
Jones was a real leader. She helped bring people, you know, comfort to make them feel comfortable in their own skin oh, yeah. and stuff like that. She was a true leader of this group. Mm-hmm. She brought Avery in and, you know, gave her a world, basically gave her a life. And it also sucks, too, because she knows everybody. Yep. So she can use that against everybody as soon as she goes bad or whatever. For sure. Um. So, yeah. Uh, this episode is basically like the heist or this issue is basically the heist they're they're going into what was formerly known as the dirty mind yeah, now I, the to- Pleasure I totally skipped an issue by the way but yeah I, I still stand by everything I said yeah, yeah. Um, from there uh, they're they're going into it's sort of like a party or yep. something going on at the uh, pleasure center and um, from there um, Avery Denis and uh, what's the other Casey. girl? Casey are going into like the elevator shaft, yeah. trying to find George and um, find him, break him out, and they do that. And uh, Sylvia and Nick. Sylvia is pretending to be Nick's date because right. Nick works for the party. Before we go forward, because I, I was on the wrong issue, there was something great at the end of issue four: the like two intermingled sex scenes. With Avery and Nick when they were masturbating on the same bed. Oh, yeah. It was interspliced. So this is sort of Sylvia and Denis because like he can't feel anything, but he likes to please. Well, they 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 use they them pronouns. Yes. Uh, So this is a really cool like I'm glad you brought this up, Jeff. This is like a classic night before the big heist thing. Right. Yeah. Where everyone's sort of like mentally preparing themselves and knowing that it's going to be dangerous. In in this format of comic books, it was done well. It was every other panel. It switched back and forth and it like mirrored the other party. And it was done really well. And I like that Avery didn't want to have sex with Nick because, number one, she didn't want to feel like she was betraying George. But also, she has made it clear throughout her relationship with Nick that it is a client professional relationship. She's not in love with Nick. She doesn't want to have sex with him outside of this, you know, working relationship. But she also says, I would feel better if I got off. So yeah it's sort of like a mutual masturbation we'll have, thing we'll help each other out yeah they yeah. they just like look at each other and stuff and then on the other hand as jeff mentioned denny says that um something happened to them when they were prisoner in the pleasure center and they're no longer allowed or able to feel pleasure yeah um but they want to make sylvia feel pleasure yeah so yeah that i think that's an interesting way of handling yeah. the, the night before type um thing. and so there is the heist and we'll get into that because it's kind of the end of the episode but also yeah issue uh the the reveal of the party like their plan with like the gas Mm. that was pretty corny but i don't think that i think it was just there what do you mean the gas they were like releasing a gas right yeah i don't remember no that gas is a metaphor for the burning of the sex toys Okay, so I read that as literally, because then it didn't come back, and I was like, what is this gas? No, their real plan is to open up pleasure centers all over the country, and Borman thinks it's to push her reformation program Mm -hmm. um, throughout all these pleasure centers to reform people. Um, The other guy, the bald-headed guy, I forget his name. Doesn't matter. uh, Well, his plan, he's been trying to use, like, biotechnology which right, is what yeah. he used on Denis yep. um, to prevent people from having orgasms or feeling sexual gratification. Right. Uh, but basically, it's an expansion of the pleasure centers. And to kick this off, they're going to burn all the dirty minds. Okay. Sex so stories. I thought it was two things. I was real tired when I read the end of this last night, <laughs> yeah. and I read it as literal. I, they, uh, 
Tina Horn does use some beautiful language to describe how the smoke from the sex toys is going to billow out. Right, because right. there was also like purple. It, it was like purple, and mm-hmm. I thought it was gas. I didn't know it was just literally smoke from the sex toys. Right. Yeah. Well, the purple smoke that I think you're referencing is what we see later on during the struggle in the breakout scene. Yeah. Um, when Casey sets off a purple smoke bomb. Oh, uh, okay. Right. I, I, as, you're mixing a few things Mix- here. You guys, you guys speak amongst yourselves. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so the, the heist is basically, you know, Jeff mentioned that one group is going to go in through the underground tunnels the way that um, Avery escaped. They're yeah. going to go back in through there. And then Sylvia is going to use what we learned in issue three, which is another reason why this, the pop in issue was successful, is we learned that the Dirty Mind has created proprietary software that can copy people's they call them halos, which is sort of like a Fitbit, like a tracking thing. Yeah. Um, and use it to, cl- they can clone other people's identities for a short period of time on their halo. So Sylvia gets next to a party member um, and she clones his identity and they use that to reach the 13th floor, which is the reformation floor. Right. Um, and they, they meet up with George. Uh, George, in part of his escape, he has witnessed Jones brutally uh shoot. shooting a guy's balls off yeah and so he's a little bit skeptical there, there are scenes in here that are rape i mean the way that they're torturing them and then begging no like when, yeah. when you go to a uh, professional dominatrix or a sex worker like e- even though they might be in charge like that's the kink and that's what gets you off there's always consent yeah there was no consent in any of this which they bring up like, they do oh, bring that you're, up you're pro-feminist times. but these people aren't consenting to this this is wrong right so a whole big thing that George wants to do is he wants to get an SD card of him being tortured um, from the camera and uh, basically Pro- prove what they're doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so they're, they're going to try and do that. And then Jones shows up and tries to stop them. And obviously there's this whole big struggle happening. They get falling into a big vat of lube. Hmm. Um, it's this is a great fight. That sequence. was awesome, too. Yeah. Um, it's like I also think it's funny. Like, so they had the dirty mind, then it was taken over by the party for four years, and they completely redid it. But there's still an electric cage. Room. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> like they didn't know it was there. Yeah, and they're like, let's go get this cage. By the way, the bald man that I reference is Doctor Powell. He's I the knew one. He'd look it up. Uh, I mean, I have the issue. And then he controlled Denise's orgasms. Exactly. And to use prevent it as her a from weapon. fighting back. Yeah. Use it a weapon. So really. All of a sudden, they're just coming. They're like, Ugh! Yeah. But he's also inflicting pain. He's going yeah, back and well, forth. Yeah, of course. So they're using the Dirty Mind's ideas of mixing pleasure and pain against them. Yeah. They're using it to control and subvert their own des- the desires of the masses. And that's what George really wants to prove. And that's like what Jeff was saying about how. It's one thing if you like dabbling in pain and you're consenting and you have a level of control. It's another thing to torture people. Yeah. Um, so that's what the SD card is for. Yeah, for sure. And uh, from there, we like I said before, uh, Jones is there. Um, they're trying to escape Jones. Jones shoots um, Sylvia, Sylvia and, um, which is obviously fucked up because they had a thing well yeah. sylvia has a gun to jones's head and and she's like i'm i'll oh, kill right, you right yeah and then jones tries to pull it was me all along she's yeah. like i yeah. miss you i yeah. love you sylvia lowers the gun they embrace and jones shoots sylvia 
Right. And that's what I said. Like, if they didn't have that scene before establishing, because like we knew they were in a relationship, yeah. but we didn't see that what the relationship was. Once you see it, this holds a lot more it, weight. It hurts. It's yeah. so painful, this betrayal. And then they throw yeah. her in the cage and she has to, you know, Fry. turn it up to a uh, maximum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Sylvia accent. knows. She says to her basically like the Jones that I loved is gone. You're not yeah. the same person. And so they fry her. Is Jones dead? Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, uh, there's a panel. So. Yeah, there's a panel later on where you see Jones's feet, and there's one shoe off and one shoe on, and then there's another panel later on where the second shoe is off. Ah, uh, so there's some movement there that I would okay. question. Yeah, I don't think she is because it, it, it was left up to interpretation. So I'm like, mm, I keeping think your options open is alive as well. Yeah. Oh, then there's another panel in here that got me just like the CBT before. Because it's like, it goes into that. It's one of the things that I see and I'm like, oh! I know no. what you're going to say. So let's get to yeah. this oh. big um, this big public rally they've made around the announcement of the pleasure centers and the burning yeah. of the sex toys. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> Jeff is pointing to a panel. Um, so, so Borman gives this big speech about how her reformation <laughs> program has been such a success and how they're going to be opening pleasure centers everywhere. And then sort of at the last minute... Um, one of the party members one of the heads of the party tells borman oh by the way you have a co-chair of this speech and mm. it's this uh this inspector wilder or wilding mm-hmm. can't remember his last name but turns out that he is the police officer that avery stabbed in the eye with her high heel back yeah. at issue one and he comes to the podium and he's giving a big huge speech about how uh it's not just about women that that really uh, men can benefit from this and, and men have rights. Yeah. And for too long, men have been kept to the sidelines. And as soon as I heard some like men's right activist shit, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. And this is what Tina talked about in her interview about a yeah. cab. Yeah. And about what we can look forward to in the next <clears throat> arc is this incel vibe that, um, that men have rights to sexual <laughs> conquest and things like that. So obviously Wilding is in a, becoming a more favorable person. And in the middle of his speech, while they're escaping, uh, Avery, Casey, Denis, they all work together to uh, basically jam the signal. Yep. And they're going to they're giving this whole big speech and about saying like what the uh, the pleasure center is doing, what the uh, the party is doing and and what the dirty mind is and yep. how they're not a threat. They're there to help people come in to yep. touch with their true desires and who they really are. And then um, they put the SD card in. Yeah. And Jeff's favorite panel pops up. Oh, close up of urethral sounding. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just a steel pole. So just uh, since we could talk freely. Let's not here. go crazy, though, Jeff. No, I'm not going to go crazy. <laughs> I think I originally found out about this when um, Yahoo, before Google, started doing image searches. And Dan and I were in his parents' basement. And oh, we're like, God. we're like, let's Google weird stuff. And the first thing we thought of was pee hole torture. <laughs> And that came up. And ever since then, I've been scarred. I don't know if that's the first thing. Probably not the first thing, but it was pretty close. There was, there was like needles and stuff. By the way, we did uh, leave out one important thing that happened during the escape was that uh, Jones was literally had her gun trained on Avery. Yes. And Nick jumped in front of the bullet. He sacrificed oh, himself. Oh, right. That's who she shot. That's right. I do remember that. So Nick died in the struggle, the escape. Um, but yeah, they reveal themselves to the party and, uh, 
the signal is hacked and immediately Borman is confronted by party leaders as being basically a failure. Your reformation plan didn't work and Mm -hmm. your big project Jones failed and George escaped and revealed all your methods and we're not going to go down this road anymore. Um, So then the Dirty Mind Collective finds out that the signal has been traced and they're about to be uh, cornered by by party member police, Mm -hmm. secret police. And Avery says, you guys have to go. I've been shot in the foot during the struggle and they seen my face. She was the one that gave the speech. So you guys are not as wanted as I am. So she sends them off and she says she'll stay there to distract them. Yeah. Then she's taken in by the party. Yep. And her job is even more torturous, but not physically to the mind and to the soul. Mm -hmm. She has to scrub all of the pornography from the internet that she loves so deeply and even some of her own <laughs> exactly it's like losing a best friend she was like i'm kissing them goodbye mm-hmm. yeah so uh that's where we end off yeah avery's in party control and we do find out as a lead up to the next arc that uh inspector wilding has been promoted uh wilder i'm sorry uh because of his galvanizing speech and he has quote quite a powerful following a huge and powerful following so uh He's been promoted to the the director of social programs at the Pleasure Center. Okay. So I could see where we're going here. Right. And you mentioned, uh, this isn't story related, but just as the trade, you mentioned that in the back of the issues, there's like playlists and stuff. That's all been put in the trades. Yeah. So I wasn't all, sure about yeah, that, but that's nice. there's all this, nice. this extra material. There's, Supplemental. There's a bunch of good songs in here. I haven't really gone through all the ones I don't know. But yeah, there's some like... What's some fun is there's... Each playlist is 22 songs long. Each song coincides with one page of each issue. Oh. So you could literally... And I have read it. Not all of them. It takes a long time to read, <laughs> read that way, but... There are some really cool correlations, and the my favorite part are, it's like looking at a great fight scene and how it fits up with the music. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is famous for this and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. And there's some fun things in these issues when you see cool fight scenes and the music that she chooses to have on yeah, there. Yeah, and to, to cross-promote Talk Me Into again, if you listen to our Six Gun episode, Colin Bunn uh, put out a playlist on Spotify of songs he would listen to while writing. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. You just put it on in the background, read some uh, sci-fi fantasy western stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, guys. Yep. You have any uh, overall thoughts? Any final thoughts? Yeah, overall thoughts. Let's start with the art. Art was uh, mostly good, in my opinion. I liked uh, Dallin and Hickman. Uh, Guterres, the art was fine. I didn't think that it was great for this type of story. Um, I have my own gripes with that, like, anime-inspired kind of art. That's just a me thing. Mm. Not saying the art's terrible. But don't you think it was kind of a fun little one-issue thing? Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. But if I were buying the series as you did... And I got to issue three and and I bought this. I wouldn't pick up the fourth issue. I probably wouldn't because if I'm paying $4 for it, like, and the other thing I was going to say is $10 for a first trade. I mentioned in the first part, Tina Horn mentioned it in the interview. 
that's great. Like, if you want to just see if you like this, $10 isn't a big investment. No, I bought you guys each one because yeah. it cost me 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did like the art. And I like how all the art was done by one artist, like the pencils, inks. I don't know if it was done digitally. Maybe there weren't pencils and inks. I know Jen Hickman uh, mentioned that she does work entirely digitally. Right. Kind of like uh, Fiona Staples on Saga. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot of those vibes. And I mean, I, I love comics. I love the format. The letterer was great. The placement mm-hmm. of all the bubbles, the font they use. There the is colors. some interesting things we didn't talk about, but in issue one or two, the first time we see the new Dirty Mind uh, location, it's a one, it's a full page splash that shows an exterior like dollhouse view of the compound. Yeah, and the panels actually work from bottom. They to do. Top yeah, I did notice that page to show you yeah, with arrows like how they make mm-hmm. their way through the. I just thought that was a really because cool I read layout. it backwards at first because as a comic reader you go to the top left right then yeah. I was like if you no, look at the arrows right. and I also noticed like for somewhere that's underground they have a roof and they're just hanging out that was kind of funny trying to be like conspicuous but anyway anyway I I like the art I like <laughs> the physical presentation the story was like the plot was pretty basic you know it was like here's this thing it's somebody gets kidnapped yeah they're getting a heist nothing crazy there but i do like how it is sex positive mm-hmm. i do like how i'm not too into the comic skate thing i don't know what's going on but i could imagine a lot of people being pissed off at this and a lot of people mm-hmm. i don't like being pissed off at this yeah. and that makes me happy so mm-hmm. i do like that i do like the subject matter i do like the normalization of uh sexuality and it doesn't and just kinks it doesn't just flirt with that it goes all in oh yeah there are things in issue three that i've never seen in a comic book before so when you said that i was expecting like crazy shit because again we talked about crooked little vein on here when there's like uh reptile fetishists in like saline ball injections so i thought i was gonna see crazy stuff like that and this stuff is all stuff like i knew existed it's crazy because i've never seen in a comic book though okay it's crazy for the medium that's true yeah i don't want to say crazy because it's not crazy no no even like even though i don't like uh (laughs) sounding i'm not kink shaming if you want to stick things in your pee hole go for it and i think it's awesome that they went they didn't back down and obviously image didn't give them a hard time no 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 there's pretty much everything in these comics right so yeah it's it's a well-made comic it it's a great message for people out there uh who need to see it it has great representation Uh, i don't think we mentioned it but like sylvia's trans yeah and they don't even make that a big deal yeah and don't make a deal about it at all no you just like i didn't even notice at first i noticed yeah yeah just saw and i was like i saw a little ball sack and i was like oh okay uh denis is gender non-conforming or gender fluid whatever yeah um so yeah i agree with all that jimmy any final thoughts um there jeff really went into that he basically said all the things i was going to say um i do i definitely agree that like um i I love the world that it's set in um i love how sex positive it is um the art is great actually like the first artist a little bit better than jen hickman um just that's fair i i I just um i had a hard time um differentiating between avery and sylvia i was like wait who's who in this heist or whatever and then i had to like sort of figure it out but yeah it's um, got a like a criminal vibe uh sean phillips yep Mm, i can see that okay um yeah basically um uh, it does sort of feel like the plot is like it's not really plot heavy it's more so like fitting in the world and like sort of like 
agenda is a bad word but it's it's nice to be reading something that's pushing this sort of agenda Mm. um well i also like that they're reluctant heroes they're not out there initially to like change the world and take down the party Mm -hmm. they're there to save their friends if their friends hadn't been kidnapped they wouldn't be in this position yeah and um like i was saying before i love how the colors are i i just love the sort of feeling like when they're in the very beginning where they're in the uh the dirty mind and like they're just like in this feeling of euphoria and like they're just like just so happy like i just love that sort of feeling and immediately it just clashes with the rest of the world mm-hmm. um it's just really well done i love the symbolism in it and um it, it's 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 good yeah it's pretty good my final push if you're gonna follow a comic book i mean this is a great one it stands for a lot of things that we believe yep. in uh the creator is an awesome person how many times, I, I mean, a little behind the scenes here, we've reached out to a lot of people on projects and never hear back. She responded the day that I reached out to her. Yeah, that's cool. And was totally willing like, to work around yeah, that's cool. our you know, technical abilities and stuff like that. And uh, um, we've got more issues coming in the future, which I was frankly very happy to hear from her because they did take a little break because of COVID. Everything got sort of slowed down. Uh, but there's going to be more safe sex coming. Uh, the first series, first um, plot. Uh, what am I drawing a blank for? Arc. arc. Yeah, thank you. The first arc was very well critically received. I'm not sure how it did sales wise. I know they sold out the first printing of the first issue. Um, I think that's the only one that went to a second printing. Mm. But I've heard through the grapevine that this trade being at a lower price point has done actually really well at some of the big box stores like Barnes and Nobles and things like that. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to what we have in the future from Tina Horn and Jen Hickman. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's time. Yeah. We're waiting for you, Dan. Yeah. Was I and Tina Horn Mm. able to talk you guys into safe sex? The comic. Yes, daddy. (laughs) I wasn't planning that. It just happened. Nice. Uh, Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, like comics, I just don't buy single issues of anymore. I'll either get a cheap trade or rent it from the library. Uh, mm-hmm. This wasn't available at my library. Maybe that'll change in the future. But yeah, no, it was good. I like the uh, the sex positivity. And uh, it, this really works to de-stigmatize sex workers, mm-hmm. which uh, I always knew was a problem, but didn't really realize until recently. I listened to this podcast, Savage Love, and they talk about it all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucks. Like, it's just a job. Yeah. Yeah. And like people, you know, they're like keeping it a secret and they shouldn't because it's not a bad thing. Mm. I agree. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Like as soon as the as soon as the uh, second trade comes out, I'm not going to get the single issue because I just don't do that anymore. Um, but when the second trade comes out, I'm definitely going to get it and I'm looking forward to it. I'm really into it. I'm sure I'll do some of the crowdfunding stuff that she's going to have set up. And uh, yeah, definitely pick up the individual issues. It's cool. I also think like one thing that you mentioned, Jim, that we didn't really dwell on too much, but it's definitely like a realistic sort of real world. I mean, it's enhanced, obviously, with the dystopian stuff, but uh, these people don't have superpowers. But I like that, as you mentioned, their career and their history skills have sort of pushed them beyond what an average person could do. I love the scene where uh, Avery's going through the ductwork and she's like, oh, this is just like pole dancing. You have to monitor your friction levels and stuff like that. And I'm glad, like I mentioned before, I'm glad it's not smut. 
Because I didn't know what Same. to expect. Like, there is graphic stuff in there. Yeah. And, like, I was like, oh, man, am I going to have a boner the whole yeah, time? Yeah, it's not any more And I didn't. Like, I'm proud. Yeah. I, I kept my boner under control, guys. It, it It's not any more than Saga. In Saga, no, it gets no. pretty crazy sometimes. Yeah. But. So, yeah, that's good. Well, and that's like I said in the interview. I think she does a really good job sort of normalizing this world. Yes. Mm-hmm. And showing that you're not just a sex worker. Like, these people have other parts of their lives and other yep. facets of their personality. For sure. All right. Next week. We're going to talk about another thing that all humans love. Today was sex. And next week is food. Because I'm talking both of you into a podcast called Off Menu. Oh. With Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Oh. It's, uh, it's one that uh, I really like. It's very funny. It's very food-based. We'll get into it more next week. I'm going to have you listen to three episodes. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, Dan... Where can people find Talk Me Into on the internet? Uh, you could find us at TalkMeInto.com. We're on Twitter at TalkMeInto. We're on Facebook under the name Talk Me Into. Uh, we're on all the Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff. Yeah. And you could always email us if you feel so inclined. TalkMeInto at gmail.com. Jimmy? They can find me at talk uh, oh, wow. at son of a fitch, S-O-N-N-A-B-A-F-I-T-C-H on twitter instagram and youtube all those things jeff where can people find you online people can find me on fetlife no you can't i'm kidding that was just a joke for this episode you can find me on instagram at large heart on collider it's a penis joke and magic the clipping where i post pictures of magic cards with disgusting fingernails Thank you for listening to Talk to Me Into. You forgot me. I did. I forgot Dan. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter under the name Danny underscore Breakdown and listen to my full unedited uh, interview with Tina Horn, which is on our Patreon for free at patreon.com slash talk me into. Thank you me? for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Sounding. <laughs> <laughs> Want me to start this? Please, please do. Please start it. You're shaking your head. What's even in this comic? I have a feeling it's filthy, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But I'm not shaking my head over the content. I'm shaking my head over the horrible pun that you just keep making. <laughs> I made it one time. I haven't even made it yet. <clears throat> oh, I guess a lot of them were off mic. Wait, wait. Uh, Doctor Who, something boring. Who cares? Later. England. Seriously, Jeff? Go. You're just reading an article. <laughs> no, I'm scrolling through. You get mad at me when I look up pertinent information to the topic we're covering. He's just reading Doctor Who. <laughs> Some things are more important than friendship. <laughs> Some things are better forgotten. <laughs> I've been watching Jeopardy, and like, whenever anybody gets a really weird, hard question wrong, I get so angry and I call him a dork. Cool. And then I get like a lot of them right. I'm a dork. Too. I wish I was as cool as you, Jeff. <laughs> dork. Look at this dork. And then he gets one right. And I'm like, yeah. Good job, He's dork. Awesome. What's up, dorks? Uh, Jeff, do you want to bring this in? Yeah. I got to pee. Oh, my God. Well, sorry. I guess I'll get something to drink while Dan pees. I can't help it. I'm about to piss my pants.